Well, this episode might look a little different. We are currently in Singapore. The whole team came, Grace, Emma, and myself. Emma's currently down at breakfast. We had the very, very amazing opportunity to meet with Mr. Ted Kravitz from Sky Sports, who hosts Ted's Notebook, to record a really small 20-minute interview with him. And honestly, like it was the most incredible moment of our lives. He was such a gentleman. He was so kind and funny and we had the best, best time. In this episode, please be aware that we recorded in a market. So there is a little bit of background noise. The audio is completely unedited. So you can hear our full conversation where we were interrupted and we were having a laugh and all different things. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Girls in the Fast Lane. I'm Ash. Emma's around (laughs) and this is our interview with Mr. Ted Kravitz. So today we have a very special guest. We have Ted Kravitz with us today. Um, So we just wanted to talk about how did you get into F1 and how did you start Ted's Notebook? Uh, Hello, by the way. Nice to um, (laughs) join you. We should probably paint a picture for the listeners. We're in, are we allowed to do that? Yeah, go for it. We're in the Newton Circus uh, food stall. They call it like a hawker market sometimes, where people have food stalls and you can get a drink. And we're in Singapore, if I didn't make that clear uh, to the listeners. And um, yeah, it's uh, 1.25 a.m. on the morning of uh, Saturday before the qualifying for, for Singapore. Uh, and so um, that's, uh, that's where we are. So uh, as usual, I've forgotten the question, how did I get into it? Yeah. So motorsport was always my, my passion. I loved Formula One as a kid. Yeah. Never thought I'd work in it in 100 years. Um, and I was going to be a radio reporter. Oh, wow. And so I trained, at, uh, well, I did politics at university, nothing to do with it. But at the, at the university radio station, I presented, I edited, um, I did sound engineering, you know, learned the basics of radio, yeah. telling stories, um, encapsulating things, you know, in the way that radio has to. And then eventually I went, left university, went to uh, back to London, where I'm from, and got some freelance work with Capital Radio, which was the big commercial station in London in the kind of 90s uh, and in the 80s. You know, Princess Diana used to listen to Capital Radio in her convertible driving around London. It was the biggest commercial radio station. Gone gone a bit downhill now, just because they sort of (laughs) lost their way a bit, but um, uh, it's not quite as popular as it was, but it was the big. So it was a, you know, that was a great training ground. We did a bit of sport there, a bit of news there. Um, freelance for some other people and then one day there was a it was at the end of 1996 and Damon Hill had just won the world championship or was about to win the world championship and he was uh, previously had been announced that he wasn't going to continue with Williams and he was going to move to this Arrows team which weren't very they weren't very good and there was a bit of a shock and they were having a press conference at Chelsea Wharf which was just down the road well not down the road but in Chelsea people. yeah Capital Radio was in Houston that was in Chelsea and their newsroom was sort of interested-ish and I said look I'll go down there I'll take a mic and a recorder and you know see if I can get an interview with Damon Hill I said all right we might we might run an interview with Damon Hill world champion British world champion do that so I did that went down got my interview with Damon Hill and then I I met a couple of guys who were no uh, the, the James Allen who was the pit reporter for ESPN at the time and he was going to go on to ITV the rights were going from BBC to ITV yeah. and um, so then uh, I got the name of some producers at the production company who were going to be doing ITV's coverage and uh, eventually I got a job as a res- researcher a runner with them 
because I could identify drivers, you know, from their crash helmet designs and who was who. Uh, and then I started at the end of 96, beginning of 97. So 97 was my first year in F1. Eventually, James Allen took over from Murray Walker when Murray Walker retired at the end of 2001. And they needed a pit reporter to take over from James Allen. And they tried me out, and so I was then a pit reporter. I wasn't awful. Uh, and so from 2002, I've been a pit reporter. And I used to do a column online. Obviously, you find out a lot of information on race week weekend. And some, not, you can only broadcast 20%, 30% of it. And eventually, uh, I thought, well, there's lots of, but I don't get to, just get to not, not, not used or not reported. Um, uh, I started a, uh, an online sort of blog called Ted's Notebook. Yes. And that was on uh, the ITV website. Then ITV lost the rights, it went to the BBC. Uh, I did a similar thing, they didn't want to call it Ted's Notebook because that was another broadcaster's idea. So they called it Live from the Pit, or from the pit Lane with Ted Kravitz. <laughs> uh, and then they thought, well, why don't you do a video blog, you know? because that's when internet started putting video on. This, is, this shows how old I am. And then, uh, and then when, I, when the BBC stopped doing it and I went to Sky, Sky said, well, we'll continue doing it as a video blog, as a piece, basically, at TV. Um, we don't want to call it what the BBC called it. Have you got another name? I said, oh, well, I could, how about Ted's Notebook? He said, yes, we like that. Not, I don't know whether they knew that that was previously a thing on another channel, anyway. <laughs> So then it's been Ted's Notebook ever since. Well, that's incredible. It's definitely one of our favorites. I feel like we get maybe like 40% of our information for our podcast <laughs> after watching. I sit there with my laptop and like take notes. <laughs> but that's the idea because you will find stuff out, you know, from, from you know, who would have known that Valtteri Bottas and his partner Tiffany Cromwell have a, have a gin line. I mean, you would if you follow their make their own gin. If you follow their social media, it's all over it, right? Yeah. It's called Oath because it's Australian and you know, Kin Oath and all of that. Um, and, uh, but if you're in the UK and you don't follow Vice Bottas because you've you know, got other things to do, it yeah. might be interesting. So little snippets like that, you know, he's uh, starting a gin line. And that's what I would want to know if I was sat at home. And then it will go from other things. So it will go from the, you know, uh, all the story in depth of, of, of whatever we don't have time to report on TV. Or stories about everybody's race, about Zhou Guangyu, about the chances of Chinese Grand Prix next yeah. year that he told me about the other day, which I'll never have time. When am I going to report that? Yeah. You know, and he's saying that actually chances are quite good, but it depends on the quarantine uh, situation of, of Shanghai. If it's currently at three days home quarantine, but if it goes down to just a test or no quarantine, the race will go ahead. If it doesn't, Amazing. then it won't. So, yeah. you know, that's a little bit of information of people thinking, oh, I wonder if the Chinese Grand Prix is going to go ahead next year. So those little bits of information, that's what Ted's Notebook is for, is yeah. that all the stuff that I can't get on, on air goes yeah. into this. And I think that's also, like, what makes us love the sport as well, because it's like there are so many different aspects that make it relatable and, like, so interesting. And you're like, oh, well, that's going on there, but this is going on there. And yeah. now they're like, this is correlating to that. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it's so interesting. And you care about people too, you know, Nicholas yeah. Latifi, for example. Yeah. You know, we'll probably never know the whole story because people just don't really interview, you know, interview him. But yeah. but but um, he will uh, leave the sport, and he gave an interview on the other on Thursday when he said, "Look, it's a performance-based sport, and I wasn't quick enough at the end." Yeah. You know, and that's a nice sort of frank assessment of what of what he's. What, what, what happened and we'll never broadcast that on Sky you know but we should but mm. so I'll do that story there are all these stories yeah. 
Do you I care think, about Nicholas Tifi? We yes. care about Nicholas Tifi, don't I think we? Like, at the, when we first started the podcast, it was kind of like... <laughs> so I just got a call from my cameraman saying that my mutton murtabak is ready. Do you want to go get it? No, no, I don't. No, no, no. I just can't. <laughs> I just want to tell him that uh, I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think, like, for us, at the start, we, you know, you definitely, especially last year, I fell in love with the sport in 2021. And, like, I definitely had favourites and favourite teams and... I was like, but then I think coming from it, like from the podcast point of view, like we try to be really neutral and like try to be unbiased. And like at the start it was hard, but now I'm like, oh no, I really appreciate like all these different things about all the different teams and all the different drivers, like, because they're all so different and like relatable in some way. And I also really think that people forget that they're also humans and that we, that they have feelings and people just bash them and it's just horrible. And learning more about them and their humanity and what they are and who they are is great. But as, as I think sometimes as, as, as podcasters, it's okay to have favourites. Your audience will know that, you know, your one person's favourite might be, you know, I don't know, Lando, or someone might like Danny Rick, or someone yeah. might like Max, or someone might like Lewis, you know, and, and, and then you come at, you can come at it from, a, from, a, from that point of view. Now, as a, as, a, as a broadcaster, I can't do that at all. So I genuinely don't care who wins. I don't have a favourite. I have views on drivers, of course I do, but, but I, you've got to be hard, careful not to be, not to prejudge, to literally be prejudicial to anything that happens to them based on a view that you might have about them um, and that you think, you know, what can I think of? Uh, um, you know, you might have a view that I've said this on air, so I can say it here, that Leclerc's a crasher, that, that, that he crashes a lot. Or, or, or that I particularly like Sebastian Vettel, you know. And, and so, if Sebastian Vettel has a bad race, I can't then say, "Oh well, you know, he tried really hard." You know, the good old Seb, you know, he'll get there in the end. It's like you've got to say he had a bad race, bad performance, because he'll say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I can't look at a, 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 a Leclerc off and say, "Oh well, you know, that just back, backs up my my view that he's a crasher. He crashes cars." Because you don't know, it might have been a, you might have gone on oil or something, you know, it might have yeah. been a car failure or something like that. So, so you know, you learn to be more open-minded and not come at it from a from a position. So we've just discussed your incredibly long history in F1. <laughs> well, it's, it's not it's not long. It's long in years, but it's pretty sad in that in that for since 2002. So what are we now? 20, so for 20 years, I've basically been doing the same job. It's not a bad job. Well, I know it's not a bad job, but you know, who keeps the same job for 20 years? All right, if you're happy in it, and it's not a bad job, and you know you can get paid for it, then. I suppose it's a good job. But that's why I do it, because I love it. What are your thoughts on the 24 race calendar then for next year? For next year? I mean, you know, it's fine. I don't do all the races anymore anyway. Um, I could, but, you know, they feel, Sky feels that they want to give everyone an opportunity to have a bit of a life. Um, it does seem to have reflected that in terms of the drivers, the teams, the, the mechanics and stuff like that, it's a young person's game. Yeah. Um, and that if you are, you know, a bit older and with wife or husband and kids, you know, it is difficult. Formula One's difficult for you to, to be in. Um, I can understand the commercial demands of places that want races and they're prepared to pay. So, you know, in that way, I don't have a problem with it. Would it be 
good for the show or good for diehard fans if there were some circuits in there that had a bit more character and history? Yeah, I think it probably would. But, you know, th that's been the case for a long time that, that, that Germany, for example, hasn't had the money to pay for it. And you don't want them to run the race at a loss because that's not good for Germany. It's not good for Hockenheim. It's not good for anyone, really. So um, I, there are some plenty enough good races in there. And sometimes at a track that you might think isn't so great for racing or just isn't great whatever, you might think, oh, they shouldn't have a Grand Prix. But you might be surprised to actually have a fun Grand Prix there and you get some good stories in there. You know, so, so let's not be... Yeah. Yeah, Prejudge it. I think 24 races, is it a bit long? I don't know. I mean, do you start to. I don't think there's any ring wrong with people just missing a race now and again because they haven't realised there's another one on. Um, <laughs> and as long as you don't, you know, spend too much of your Sunday. I mean, it's good in Australia because you have you can get it out of the way and on you know, un, un, ungodly time of yeah, day, I'm, I'm, and then the rest of your Sunday is kind of yours, you know? Well, for, yeah, most of our races go into Monday morning, so I'll start uh, watching so the, at like 11pm on Sunday, uh, so and I finish right, right, right. Okay. 11, yeah. Right, but then you've got the whole of your Sunday yeah. to do what you want, right? We have to interrupt in the UK, <laughs> we have to interrupt our Sunday lunch, and be really antisocial. Not the Sunday And say, do you know what, thanks for cooking that Sunday lunch, husband, wife, mum, dad, whoever, but I'm going to leave you and all the family and I'm going to go on this one day that we've all got and I'm going to go and watch the Grand Prix by myself, sat in front of the TV shouting at it, at my favourite driver. Now they've got to have some pretty good support for you to know, to allow you to do that. Oh well, it's the Grand Prix. They do like that. But 24 times a year? You know, that's where I think it's starting to ask a bit much. But hey, record it and then watch it later. Yeah. There's been times where I've definitely had to like watch the replay because it's like I have to get up for work or different things. Um, which I mean, it takes for me, it takes away from the experience. Like I love the live aspect of watching it live, but yeah, it definitely is doable. I think that it's I think it's demanding a lot from teams and drivers. Though I think that's yeah. the sad thing. Yeah. Um, so we love the W Series, and this is our so first. Uh, this is our first W Series race to like see in person um, and we've been trying to learn more about it recently but we also think that it could be a bit of a double-edged sword that it's great that women have a platform to race and everyone's treated equally but we also think that is it actually working as a feeder series is it actually helping women get into f3 what do you think about that okay so to answer the second question how was that working for women before the w series yeah not great yeah really wasn't working that well. Tatiana Calderon, Sophia Flush. Yeah. So, uh, Simona de Silvestro, you know. You mean Giovanna Amati, way back when in the 90s? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really working well. It wasn't as if it, they were really knocking it out of the park with the inclusion thing. So, why not? Try it. You know? And, and, What's the first part of the question again? Is it the double-edged sword? Yeah, that it's... Um, is, it, is it working as a feeder series? Is it working as a feeder series? We don't know yet. I mean, uh, you have some drivers, like Tatiana Calderon, for example, who will consider it a little bit beneath her in terms of where she is at her career. So she's gone back into Formula 2, having done some Indy cars. Uh, she's also struggling for budget. She's got some good budget from Colombia. Um, but 
you know, if she doesn't have budget, what if the if it ends, she doesn't end up do, doing Formula Two next year? What does she want to do? Well, why not come to Formula to, to W Series where you don't need any money? Well, you just need to turn up at your local airport, and W Series will fly you to the race. They'll put you up, they'll give you a car, they'll even give you prize money if you're in the top 12, or actually I think all the drivers get some prize money oh, towards the end, and then they'll send you home on a plane, and the rest is up to you. What's the I don't get what the downside is. If you, if you get towards, this is year three of W Series, you know, maybe after year 10, if nobody has progressed up the ladder, then you yeah. can say, do you know what, I'm not sure this is delivering as a feeder series. Can't say that now. Yeah. You know, Jamie Chadwick's about to become a three-time W Series champion. She's already got opportunities in the States. She's got opportunities in GT racing. She can go and do whatever. She can have a perfectly good professional life as a racing driver. That can only have been helped by showing the class that she has in W Series. And anybody that re wins any motor racing series three times on the bounce and dominates the way they have must be good. Oh yeah. Okay, so they might not be, you know whatever but to beat some pretty good drivers out there and there are not bad drivers in w series then she's got to be something pretty special yeah. in motorsport yeah. so let's see where it goes you know i have high hopes of a lot of the young drivers in in w series chloe chambers juju noda even i think she's had a difficult day in practice today um uh, i think norea marty is is amazing i think belen garcia has a great uh, future um, you know, it's a really interesting mix of, I'm sure I've left some out, Marty Garcia as well. Um, it's a really interesting mix of, uh, oh, now he's, uh, no, sorry. It's, it's, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming to my murder pack. Okay, all right. Um, uh, and it's a really interesting mix of, 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 of drivers who've, who've, who've had the experience around the place, like Alice Powell, Sarah Moore, Abby Eaton, uh, experienced drivers, Emma Kimmelainen, Fabian Volvend, done lots of different series and then have come here to try their hand at, at, at Formula 3 cars. Um, and do you know what Fabian Volvo might decide that Formula 3 cars or Abby Eaton aren't for her? She go back to Ferrari Challenge. But at least it's given her an opportunity to, to, to see what, what she can do. Yeah. You know, and, and so feed a series for what? Formula 1? Okay, maybe that's going to take a while. But feed a series for some other, other stuff. Lamour, yeah, look at Sarah Bovey and what she's done in Iron Lynx. Uh, or the Iron Dames, I think they're called, in, in, in Le Mans. Yeah. You know, she won her team, won their class, I think. Sarah Bovey was a reserve driver in, uh, in W Series a few years ago. So, you know, I think there are other... Uh, Dorian Pin, I'd like to see in W Series, see what she can do. She's doing pretty well out there. Um, and uh, I, I can only broaden opportunities, so I yeah. think. I think the jury's out on whether it's a true feeder, feeder series, yeah. but it's not doing so badly so far. Yeah, brilliant. So we've returned to Singapore after two long years away. Yep. What did you miss the most? The Newton Circus Food Court. <laughs> right and Hassan, Hassan at the Alamine, who's made me a nice mutton curry, <laughs> which I must go and eat. Yes, we will finish out. Okay, yeah. that's that question. Have we got any more? Uh, the last thing, okay. we just wanted to know your Singapore predictions. Who do you think is going to do well this week? Well, hang on, when's the pod going now? Pardon? When's this pod going out? Next week. Oh, oh well, no, so well, I'll, I'll instantly, I'll, I'll instantly be I'll proved wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll put okay. it out tomorrow. No, I like that. No, 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 no. Let's put it out next week <laughs> and see uh, and see if I'm proved wrong. Uh, I think Verstappen will win. 
I think um, Lewis Hamilton will be no George Russell will be second. Yeah, he's and doing then well. He is doing well, and then uh, uh, Carlos Sainz will be third. Um, Leclerc's had a really difficult weekend so far, so yeah. problems, and Carlos Sainz has been great. And Sainz is on a real roll from Monza as well. He's really got some uh, momentum behind him. And um, I think, yeah, Sainz is going to have a, so a better weekend. So do you think, last question, promise, do you think that Max is going to take the championship this weekend? No, I think it will happen in Japan. I think they, yeah. Almost, yeah. they almost want it. I mean, they do. Helmut Marko said, I want it to happen in Japan because Honda is our engine, even though it's now called Rebel Technologies, powertrains. But now apparently Honda are coming back. Now that they've not, their deal with Porsche has fallen through, yeah. apparently Honda are going to come back and it's going to be Rebel Honda again. Yeah, figure that one out. Yeah, I know. So, so to think, I know. So to think, uh, you know, to, to do it in, uh, they're going to do it in Japan, which is good for them. Oh, amazing. Thank All you right. so much. Thank no, thank you, you so much. Well, if you have stuck around and listened to this interview, first of all, I want to say thank you and that I appreciate all the support that we have had from everyone in Singapore uh, to Ted and the Sky Sports team to every, every other amazing opportunity that we've had over here to meeting all the new people that we got to meet and to all the support from everyone that's been following us from the beginning. We appreciate it so, so much. If this is your first podcast episode, please get onto TikTok, follow us, please get onto YouTube, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, uh, Spotify, five stars. We're on Instagram as well. Come connect with us. Come join our community. We really appreciate having your support and we have more interviews coming up. So stay in the loop and we'll see you next time. Love you. Bye.